So, you know, the, the opportunity to kind of flip the script a little bit and offer something really different in the primary care world uh, was a very exciting uh, opportunity we saw that really leverages the power of virtual care and of what we call step care. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the next big thing in health. I'm your co-host, Matt Isles. And I'm Laura Evans. This season of The Next Big Thing in Health is sponsored by Teladoc Health, partnering with health insurance providers to reinvent care delivery models. To live their healthiest lives, consumers are turning to virtual care for ongoing, complex, and mental health care needs. Is your organization prepared to meet consumer demand using virtual care? Visit teladochealth.com backslash AHIP-2022 to learn more. At the height of the pandemic, virtual care was a lifeline for countless patients and clinicians. Now, as more of us make the return to in-person care settings, where does telemedicine fit in? Here to answer that question is our guest, Kim LaFontana, Senior Vice President of Strategic Growth at Teladoc Health. Kim, thanks for joining us today. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Why don't we go ahead and jump on in? And Kim, like we said at the top of the show, so many of us are wondering how virtual options are going to fit into the bigger picture of healthcare coming out of the pandemic. Um, and I know that from other work that AHIP has done uh, with Teladoc Health, that Teladoc recently launched its virtual care transformation study. And this focuses on large, large employers. And, and maybe you could just give us a little bit more color about that. Yeah, you know, um, we have had the opportunity to work with dozens, hundreds of employers to think through their virtual care strategy uh, and to observe many others. We host an annual event called Forum where we gather people thinking about this topic. So, you know, we kind of sit in a privileged position that we've been able to see, Laura, to your point, coming out of the pandemic as consumers got used to having virtual care options available to them, what the expectations are now. And we observe that you know it's a really difficult uh, strategic path for employers to figure out, right? Where do I invest? How do I invest? What's important to my population? So the the work we did in the virtual care transformation model is is was an attempt to kind of capture and map out and create a set of tools that employers can use to think about the options in front of them and to think about their investment decisions in virtual care and to react to the needs of the population they serve and, and to create uh, offerings that make sense and uh, meet their needs. And we've seen how popular hybrid work environments have become since the pandemic began. Uh, assuming the same is true in virtual and in-person uh, in person healthcare, what are you finding is the best balance between the two options? And what do you find that employees are preferring at this point? Yeah, you know, I mean, historically, Teladoc's strength was in what we call, you know, on-demand urgent telehealth visits, right? And so demand for that is still high. Uh, once you have had the opportunity, as I did recently, to get a dermatologist on the phone with you today to look at your kid's, you know, issue she's having with her eye, you want to do that again. You know, it's sort of like what the first time you could deposit a check 
uh, from your phone. I, I'm not going back into the teller anymore. I don't know about you guys. No. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Right. So that was, you know, that's sort of where Teladoc's strength was. The kind of new piece and the product that we've launched recently is a virtual primary care product. And to your point, Laura, you know, as folks are in a more distributed workforce environment, having more options available to them um, makes a ton of sense. So a large, and you, I'm preaching to the choir here, but a large percentage of Americans do not have an attributed PCP that they see regularly. And even many of those who do don't really feel that they have a strong connection there. It's not a, a place they go to for care. You know, the kind of wake up call for me on this personally was a few years ago when my mom, who's 75 and was living in Florida at the time, went to a primary care doctor's appointment and the doctor said to her, well, we have about 12 minutes. Uh, so what are three things you wanna cover? You know, and, and for a 75 year old person, you should be talking about loneliness uh, and nutrition not just her medication and her knee surgery. So, you know, the, the opportunity to kind of flip the script a little bit and offer something really different in the primary care world uh, was a very exciting uh, opportunity we saw that really leverages the power of virtual care and of what we call stepped care. So in the instance with my mom, 10 minutes a year in an exam room with her doctor isn't enough. What she really needs is nutritional coaches that she can interact with regularly. Maybe an app, maybe not. Our actually app usage for our 65 plus population is very high, probably surprisingly so. They also love talking to our coaches. But across the whole spectrum, having digital coach and then ultimately nurse um, and clinician and physician interactions available is what primary care should be. It's that daily interaction. And so meeting the needs of that distributed workforce in kind of new creative ways and fixing a huge gap in primary care is really, really what this is all about. Those are really great examples, uh, Kim. And we know how challenging the pandemic has been, but one bright side uh, in the healthcare industry has been our redoubled focus on data and using it to drive the best outcomes for patients. How are you helping employers build the best virtual care options with the data that you've collected? Yeah, we recently commissioned a national survey uh, to get data on, on how the industry is thinking about this transformation. And, and one of the most striking kind of findings for me is, you know, what are we measuring as we move to virtual care, right? What really matters? Cost is on the list, but it wasn't the top of the list. The top driver for employers was uh, was member experience and clinical quality. So employers are thinking about virtual care as a way to offer something new and different and differentiated, helps them attract, you know, depending on the sector they're in again and what kind of workforce that they're serving, helping them attract folks and retain key folks by offering differentiated benefits is, 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 is a huge important driver and something folks are measuring. And then that engagement, like I mentioned, most people, don't have a long-term relationship with a trusted primary care provider. Uh, establishing that relationship has huge benefits to the member and to the clinical outcomes. Um, in our primary care program that we launched, I just saw some data that showed that in, for one customer, 70% of the people who choose the virtual primary care option did not have any, any primary care provider on record. And so to the employer and to the health plan, and we, we talked to a lot of health plans about this as well, you know, getting that person into a primary care situation that works for them is hugely valuable because you can, you know, kind of uh, the early detection value of that is significant, right? You can see changes in condition. You can address chronic conditions 
uh, in a more, you know, kind of early detection and effective way. Um, and the, you know, kind of clinical results that come from that are back to your metrics, you know, are, are, are what folks are looking at. Um, and then cost follows, right? That, that's sort of the equation we're seeing in people's minds. Let's talk about the virtual, the five-pronged virtual care transformation model. Can you explain a little bit more about that? And, and how, do we, how do we get there? What do we need to do internally to make this transformation? Yeah, so what we did is we kind of took some time and, and, and thought about really what are the different factors employers have to make decisions about. So in the pandemic, virtual care took all forms, right? It could be a Zoom call, it was FaceTime in some cases, you know, getting on the phone with your provider was the most important thing. Now, as we're thinking about doing this at scale and for the long haul and doing it in a way that's measurable and, and drives all the right um, value points, you know, uh, uh, what we're seeing is employers wanting to take a more thoughtful approach. Um, so the, you know, five elements that we, you know, kind of look at and we, as we talk to employers are around governance, right? Do you have a team of people whose job it is to think about this? Or is it happening kind of one-off across your benefits team, for example? Um, the so organizations that are higher up on our maturity curve tend to have somebody who wakes up every day, you know, thinking about digital health strategy. Um, so that's an investment area. That's one of the five things around plan design. You know, um, are you offering a virtual care option as part of your plan design? Is it baked in? What are the incentives for people to use that? What's your goal in terms of which segment of your employees and how many will opt into that? What are the, you know, breadth of offerings themselves? Are you addressing chronic care options? Are you addressing, you know, virtually every organization has some sort of virtual or digital care offering, even if it's just an app, you know, every health plan, we're all doing some of this. So how do you do it in a more orchestrated way, right, is the question. So looking at the breadth of offerings is a way of measuring that. And we think member experience is one of those five key pillars as well. So, it, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a um, person living with diabetes, I'm often also living with hypertension and potentially a behavioral health condition that goes along with that. Treating those independently is better than not treating them at all. But really the ultimate kind of way to address and achieve the most success is to look at the person as a, a, a whole person. You know, I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a diabetes diagnosis. I have the other conditions that I have all wrapped up in that. And as you know, folks on my team love to say, you're probably not doing a good job addressing your diabetes and meeting your fitness and nutrition goals if you can't get out of bed in the morning because of a depression. So, you know, kind of looking at the full member experience is another another piece that we think is important. And then the fifth pillar we talked about already, which is measurement, right? How are you as an employer or a plan looking at what matters? Uh, what are the metrics you're trying to drive? And those five things together really um, are what we think tells the story of the of where you are on that spectrum and then, you know, where you want to go and helping plot that course. So, Kim, you've touched um, a lot on employers and, you know, here at AHIP, we think a lot about the health plan community, just given those are the um, organizations that we represent every day. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how you scale this process from employers to health plans more broadly. Do you look at different data? Are there any key differences or difficulties in expanding the larger populations? of Yeah, for sure. Are? And 
you know, as you know, a, a huge percent of our book and business is with the plan themselves, right? We felt that starting this process with the employer made sense. Um, it's insightful, actually, for our health plan customers to kind of see and think through. Um, they're obviously serving the needs of the employers that they serve. So um, thinking about, for example, what are the options you make available in your, um, in your ASO book? How, what are the what are the things that you you know kind of that the employers that you serve as a health plan want to bring to their population? That's a big topic, um, and we're actively you know kind of rolling out many of our programs into the into the ASO populations at you know um, virtually every health plan in the country is a customer in one way or another. The the kind of next conversation we have as we move up that maturity curve with the plan is you know once they see demonstrated demand and results in their ASO book. We begin to then have conversations about fully insured and about Medicare Advantage populations. So that's an, a, a very active area for us. There's a lot of demand for uh, virtual care in those populations taking different forms. Mental health is is a huge, you know, kind of need right now coming out of the pandemic across the board. We've seen extraordinary growth in adoption of our mental health programs. Um, again, because it's that stepped care program, it gets rid of a lot of the barriers to care. Right. So a lot of the plans have said to us, you know, gosh, for an in-network provider to find one that's taking new patients and then find an available appointment is such a long time frame. Having an option available today digitally where you can actually opt up in to see a provider uh, within a matter of days, not weeks or months is uh, is a huge, a huge value driver that the plans are recognizing right now as one example. Kim, I'm curious, virtual care is obviously way easier, way more convenient for ever, most everybody involved. I'm curious though, um, do you have any data, is there any data yet on the outcomes of virtual versus in-person care, health outcomes? Yeah, I mean, our primary care product that we launched is, is relatively new. So we have adoption and uptake you know, metrics, but we don't, it hasn't been live long enough to see, yeah. you know, kind of what you're getting at. Um, and we, you know, it's also not a, a necessarily an either or question for us. You know, if you're choosing to see a virtual primary care provider, you're likely to need in-person care at, at some point. And that's part of our job as the virtual primary care provider as well, is to get you to the right place at the right time in a, in a way that's convenient for that member. So what's in network, taking into account all of those considerations are super important. Mm -hmm. So driving the right um, kind of uh, secondary care plan and then helping a member navigate through that. So there, there is bricks and mortar care is for everybody. It's just, it's not necessarily where it starts. Mm -hmm. It's been so great to have you with us here today, Kim. And I think you know that uh, the name of our podcast is the next big thing in health. And so we have to close with uh, one final question that we ask all our uh, all our guests. What do you think is the next big thing in health? Yeah, I mean, you know, back to my mom, um, you know, being able to actually deliver primary care as intended uh, and to interact with humans uh, on a day to day basis in a way that makes sense to them and help them meet their needs. We, we've been, you know, living under the construct of our of our um, the system we live in for so long, we're all kind of used to that 10 minutes a year and in an exam room with a with a with a doctor. But that's really not what primary care should be. And so it was very inspiring to me after, you know, a long career across a lot of different healthcare care um, entities to 
land here and get to really think about the future in that way. So that that's what inspires me every day. That is a great message to leave us with. So Kim, thank you so much for being with us here today. It's really been, really been wonderful. Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. With 20 years of experience delivering whole person virtual care, Teladoc Health is uniquely positioned to help health insurance providers put the right framework in place and move virtual care from transactional to transformational. Find out about the virtual care transformation model. Visit teladochealth.com backslash AHIP-2022 to download the white paper and unlock the full potential of virtual care.